Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. It's a down week for rugby. So what we're doing during this season is uh, introducing a little bit of a conversation podcast to break up the uh, monotonous week of no rugby. I'm sure you're all missing it this weekend. We'll be back for the Dragons game uh, the following week. And of course, we'll have our big build up with that. But today we've got a crew on board to discuss what happened at the weekend, the Irish squad and some other details as well. A big talking point right now is all the contracts. Lots to talk about on the Connick scene and three craggy crew members have joined us. Danny Deegan, welcome along. How's it going guys? Good to have you on board. Lindley McKenzie, how are you this evening? I'm very well, thank you Rob. Good evening. Good evening to you too. And Niall Shield, how are you? I'm super Rob, how are things? Good to have you back on board. Everyone sounded great today. I'm loving the old uh, reception on your microphones. Let's keep that going. Uh, Oh, well, what a start to do. Let's start with the weekend. Uh, Myself and Lindley were there. Maybe I'll get to Lindley uh, third then. I'll talk to the two lads who weren't there. Uh, Niall, what did you make of it watching from home? Your thoughts of the uh, disappointing result? I think we can safely say somewhat unexpected defeat for Connacht. Yeah, it was only, you know, today or was it? Yeah, today I, I actually realised that the we give them a bonus point win and we're mm-hmm. at home. That's mm-hmm. it. Really, just slipped because it just you know I, I kind of thought we got the you know the losing bonus point or whatever. But it was um, a twenty minutes of a good performance and sixty minutes of a terrible one. Um, I think after halftime killed us though. It, it's it's a shame, shocking. It's hard to know what went wrong. Um, but I hope they I hope they sort it out. Yeah, I was saying in my own report now today that, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous how accommodating the sports ground has become for all these teams. And it, it starts to kind of really great when you see the Ospreys, Scarlets leave really happy, Munster leave a little bit relieved, but happy, Bristol, Ulster. It's kind of quite the list now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's far too long now at this stage. It, it, uh, it's, I suppose it's hard to know what to pinpoint it. You'd be hoping that it's not a crowd that they need because there's, you know, there's a crowd nowhere else. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really hard to understand it. They're playing really well in fits and starts. Um, but outside of that, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, it was supposed to be a down week and then the decide, you know, the game was brought ahead or brought on might have affected things but you'd hope to be professional enough for that not to make a difference but uh, I don't know just a shocker of a performance really Can I jump Ironically in there? Enough. Yeah go for it Just, just to, to to expand on your point there Paki. Um maybe because like everything was going well like they, got, they weren't making silly mistakes that they made at the weekend in the build up to this because they were playing games constantly maybe this week off has uh, it even though they said that they needed it, that that week off has given these guys time to think because a lot of them are out of contract, and maybe that's playing a part. Now I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying that 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 can affect guys. You know, um, it's not like before when you had a week off that you could go off and I don't know, go on a, a quick break or whatever. But uh, now you're stuck at home and you're stuck with your thoughts. Maybe maybe guys got a little bit too too much stuck in their head. Well, I do think, Danny, and I'll go back to you on this. I do think that they're they're getting stuck in their head within games. I, I said, leaving the sports ground the last day, that I don't remember a Connacht team having as 
wildly fluctuating peaks and troughs within 80 minutes as this team has done on a number of occasions during the season. So they they were, you know, top of the world going in at half time. And within seven, eight minutes of the second half, like the body language, they're, they've conceded a try while still having an extra man. They're just, they're getting pummeled in the mall. Um they do seem to drop their heads very quickly and it seems to be something that's cropped up quite a bit during the season. Niles, yeah, do you want to go uh, now? Yeah, go, go now. Um, I, I, yeah, that's uh, that's actually something that um, that's it seems to have happened a little bit. The, the body language um, from them, and I know you can't measure that or it's not quantifiable mm. or whatever, but it does look poor. Regularly, it does look poor. And like in the Monster game, it looked, for me, it looked really... They looked really off for uh, for a good while, and then Jack took control of things, and all of a sudden there were you know there were tails up again. But it, it was possibly a touch false because when it came to that end game, like they were they were at you know they seemed to be at sixes and sevens as to what they were going to try. Now this is the monster match I'm talking about. Whereas he, and even at the weekend there, um, you know they got into that commanding lead without really having to do anything you know, it kind of offered for them. It, it just, you know, they, they took, what I mean is they took that, that opportunity really well, but um, when something started to go wrong against them, it just, um, they just seemed to fall down a bit. Now, I know they're working on this with that uh, Jack birth whistle and all that, mm. but it's funny that you say it. It was something that struck me at the time and it's just, you've reminded me there again. So I, I don't know, maybe there's something in it. Maybe there's something in that. Maybe they're, you know, like Danny's saying about the contracts or whatever. Um, I can understand that too. Like, I mean, we're only, we're reading in the new paper today that the contract negotiations have only started this week. Um, so I don't know, maybe it has played in their minds. I don't know, what yeah. do you guys think? It's difficult. But the only thing is, you'd imagine it's difficult for Ospreys players. It's difficult for a lot of players. Lenny, your thoughts? You you were there just down down the benches from myself the last day. I mean, did you get that feeling early in the second half that this is getting away from Connacht? I mean, even when it got to, you know, that even when you, when the Ospreys got that first converted try, I had a very bad feeling all of a sudden, despite the fact that Connacht had just come out from halftime leading by 12. Yeah, I think that's because the um, Ospreys changed their tactics completely in the second half. I think in the first half, they, they've tried to play an open game. Um, and, let's, and also, let's face it, who did they come with? They came with, I think, was it five of their six internationals? They had a really strong pack. They had a really strong team out. They didn't take this for granted. They didn't take it lightly. And in the second half, you could see that they, they changed their tactics completely. They decided to maul. And I think they are the team with the highest number of tries from them all this season in the Pro 14. And I think when they realized they were 17-5 down, they said, we've got to get this job done and we're just going to we're going to maul again. And unfortunately, when you that came in the second half, and in the second half, there's only so much that the Connor Pack can withstand of that. Um, mm. And they bring the subs on, and, you know, they're not up to speed, so to speak. Um, I'm not sure if they made a huge impact when they came on. Um, you had to chop and change the pack, you know, because of the, you could see that some of the players were actually quite exhausted, you know, halfway through the second half. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not so critical or harsh on them because I just think that the Ospreys pack was a better, stronger pack and they played to their strengths in the second half. And then you look at their backs and who they have in their backs and, you know, I, I, they're, they, you know, they're full of quality there. So I'm not quite so, I, I don't feel quite so hard on, you know, I feel that, 
Yes, they let a 17-5 lead go, but um, the Ospreys, on the balance of their team and the way they played in the second half to their strengths, I think does, it's obviously well-deserving of it. Mall defence is a problem all season, lads. Danny, thoughts? That's issue. Well, what I'm frustrated with is that uh, since, since the Racing game, everybody's just mauled against us. Even teams that wouldn't necessarily maul have just decided... Well, Connacht can't defend malls, and we're just going to keep doing it. My issue would be is why do we keep doing the same thing? Uh, Sean O'Brien has tried it, and so has Sean Masterson to sack as as the players come down. But I can't remember, I can't remember visibly anybody else trying it. Like, why didn't we try that at the weekend? Like, how, they they mauled against us so often, and we we always tried to just blast them out of it rather than trying to sack it. When smashing a mall. And it's not working time and time again. You have to try something different. Try try a sack. Just just try it to make them make them question what you're going to do, rather than just keep doing the same thing. That's what it's the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same mm. thing, expecting something different. It was funny, Niall, because their try, I don't know if you picked it up in the cameras, their match-winning try, uh, it just was one time when maybe they looked like, it looked like we had, Connacht had stopped them. You know, this is after the series of penalties in the scrum. The Ospreys took what was, I think, a wise decision because they noticed the scrum was maybe turning against them to go to the corner all of a sudden and set up the mall. And it was a really good move by the hooker to just keep it in. I think it was Perry who was still on the field at the time. Just keep the ball in. This is the point I was making because, you know, he was about to break away from it and someone or himself maybe just went, wait, hang on we can reset this mall again. Uh, I just think they were, like Lindley said there, uh, they were just came out in the second half with one objective and it was mall. Yeah, that's that's fair that they did. I mean, Connacht, uh, further to what Danny's saying, like Connacht should kind of um, realise, I suppose, at this stage that um, what's happening in in their mall D is not working so far, for whatever reason. But it's it's not working. So they should be expecting other teams are going to um going to maul against them because their maul defence has been so poor. So therefore they're gonna to have to work uh, on it and on something for it. Now, maybe they are, or maybe they've had issues where they can't have worked it. Maybe guys have been, you know, uh quasi injured in training or whatever and they can't give give it the full um breadth of training that they need. But it should, you know, it has to be at the forefront of their. Like, if you were playing Connacht in the morning, you'd say, "Well, what are we going to do? We're going to kick to the corner and we're going to maul." And that's that's our plan. Uh, plan one. Uh, that's where they're weak, um, and they haven't sorted it out yet. Danny, the, the scrum just after halftime changed the game, and it was a turning point in the game. Some scrums do have a kind of a, a tone to them that you know you you looked at that first half, three penalties to Connacht, but they weren't actually contests. It looked like the Ospreys did some work at halftime figured it out and they took a huge amount of momentum from that first penalty straight after halftime. Yeah, uh, in the first half, I actually thought Bielan uh, was doing an amazing job. He was putting his man under pressure like from the hit and he was just going down. He couldn't handle it. In the second half, uh, I don't know what they said in the the, the, uh, the changing room, but I actually think it was Buckley that it was at fault. He just never got right for that first scrum. He mm. was just never set right. He just didn't look comfortable from even before they went down. And uh, something that Dan McFarland, back when uh, he coached us years ago in Galwegians, was he said, if you're not comfortable, you stand up. doesn't matter who it is, who's refing you or anything, you stand up and you get yourself right and you go again. 
And I think yeah. Buckley just caught, got himself caught out because maybe maybe he'd been lulled into a false sense of security because they'd done so well in the first half. Or maybe he just got caught up in the moment, but he should have just reset himself. Like, I mean, Lenny, where are we right now? Because, I mean, we can all, we've, we've, we've done the podcast on that game and we've analysed it as best we can. Um, I think you made a really good point there about the internationals and that Ospreys team. Ironically, bringing the game forward you know, meant that you're facing a much tougher Osprey side than you would have faced on February 13th. Uh, I know Connacht would have been aware of that and they wouldn't. It's it, it's not the end of anything, really. I mean, they were never necessarily going to catch Munster. They're still sitting in a good position with Cardiff and Edinburgh to come to the sports ground. But one win from six does not look good, does it? Well, no, and neither does four in a row of, of home defeats look good either when you look at the statistics. But... Um, as I said, I'm, I wasn't surprised about that defeat, despite the fact that it was a home. I think that every time Connor goes out and seems to lose, they're almost like putting all their emphasis on their away matches to get, to get points, and they've actually done bloody well. Um, it's not all lost at all. It will come down at the moment to whether or not they're not going to catch Munster. I don't believe, but you just never know if they keep if they if they keep working, they they might be able to. Um, but I think it all really will come down to whether or not the Pro Fourteen fulfills every single fixture in both conferences, and you go to a semi final or whatever, which is which is possible. Then Connacht have still got a good chance, you know, to to get into a final. I think realistically, the stage would you know that's still a, that's that is still a goal but i think getting back into the champions cup this year is probably um a more realistic one is what they'd be looking to do so i don't think it's lost i think there's been quite a bit you know every team you know it's been a str- it's look it's it's a difficult year it's a difficult year for everybody um connet have done well they've introduced quite a lot of young players into the setup this season they have a situation where the coach doesn't know whether, you know, he didn't know whether he has a contract. Now we're told that, you know, where we believe that he has. Um, mm-hmm. Mind you, who knows after that performance? Um, uh, you don't know. Um, there's a lot of players out of contract. It ha- that all has to affect them. And Connor are a team that needs to be, I think because we don't have the big name players, we don't have huge numbers of stars. It's a team that really has to play for each other and all be confident and on one page. And I think possibly there's just a little bit of a struggle when on on certain occasions. And obviously last Sunday was one of those. No, do you have any concern like that? What we've seen on the field over the last five or six weeks had any, you know, any kind of impact on four and maybe not more being involved with Ireland or ironically enough is it is it not as on form as maybe you'd like to see it if you know what I'm trying to say as well like you know in a weird sort of way does it would it make much of a difference if they'd snuck a victory over Munster and Ospreys well if I suppose if they'd snuck the victory over Munster the the world and its mother would be loading Jack Carty like but he seems to be taking the fall for um you know a collective um brain fart in the forward pack do you know what I mean? Mm. He he seems to be taking that like he 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 brought Connacht back into the game through mm. uh, you know the the kicking that is unparalleled in Ireland. Um, so uh, certainly if I were him, I would be extremely annoyed. Um, no, he says he wouldn't, but uh, I'd be looking for answers. Similarly, um, I know 
Kieran Marion probably hasn't had his best season so far, but he's been a player that's been absolutely he's treated abysmally by you know um, by Ireland now over the last while. Um, and then I see I see Tyke Furlong getting called into the squad again. The man hasn't played in the guts of a year. You know, on form, oh, absolutely on form. He's the best tight head prop in the world. But like, you know, he just gets dropped in to the back into the squad. And I'm not for. I don't believe it's because he's from Leinster or anything like that. But it's just uh, form doesn't mean anything when it comes to Irish, um, the Irish squad. It's it's who the coach seems most comfortable with, and that's damning enough. And it's it must it's hard enough for the likes of uh, Connacht or the likes of Munster, Leinster, Ulster for players that are you know at that level underneath. They're playing really well. John Cooney, case in point, um, from Ulster. So we're not speaking about Connacht guys the whole time. Who's, you know, was the top scorer in Europe, possibly the top try scorer in Europe, playing fantastically with not the greatest pack in the world in Ulster. And, um, you know, Conor Murray, for all his gifts, you know, was playing really poorly. But he could continue to play poorly, safe in the knowledge that his, uh, his position wasn't under threat. No matter what is being said, in the papers, no matter what has been said by squad members, uh, it's just, you know it's it's self perpetuating the whole time. It's easier to get out of this. It's easier to um, get out of the squad than it is to get into it, or whatever that analogy is. It's just it's not something I agree with, uh, and I just think you know they had they have opportunities regularly, and they had them they had a feckin Autumn Nations Cup where they could. Yeah, play loads Six of different players. Yeah. Six games for something that didn't matter. At all. Oh, it didn't matter when I was. It was this opportunity to play players and blood players and try and get guys in, and they just didn't do it. So you know, what's you know, the more it changes, the more it stays the same. Uh, as far as I'm concerned with that front. And to be honest with you, and I, I have to be perfectly honest here, I'm not as big an Ireland fan because of it. Mm. And that's, that's the way it is for me. You know. Yeah, I think among Connacht rugby people, there is a. There is a, a fluctuating kind of interest level with with the Irish team at times because, like, and Danny, I'll like, I get your thoughts, but I'll start with this question, which is, you know, we see how Finley Beelham gets thrown in on a rather strange experiment at Loosehead at the international level, as Nigel Carolyn said in a press conference a week later. Well, we wouldn't have thought to do it at conic level you know and he didn't say anything more than that but like why in god's name are you guys doing it but then he gets you know criticized heavily in a couple of newspapers articles and there's no one from the irish management coming out say hang on a minute now you know even coming out defending him you know and saying ah listen we were trying something and he was brilliant and he was fantastic which he was by the way in that role just your thoughts on that like that's what leaves conic people just feeling so disconnected from the irish rugby scene because they feel like their players just don't get that fair balance kind of assessment well, what I don't understand about that whole thing is why wasn't uh, any other, say, loose head in Ireland even thought about? Like, like the, Dennis the Buckley, idea... for example? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who I was going to say. Like, uh, 100, over 170 caps for Connacht. And, like, you'd rather turn a, a, a tight head into a loose head for a game at international level. That's That's just madness to me. And now he's out of the squad, Danny, and you're just there going, ah. Oh, he, he, I feel like I feel like they look for scapegoats. Like they they they'll mm. try something, um, as Packy was saying, that Jack seemed to take the flack of what the forwards did uh, against Munster. Jack seemed to get a lot of flack uh, 
for the um, the Ireland game against Japan in the World Cup. And I think it's very undeserved because the the momentum shifted in that game from an overthrown lineout, and then uh, our scrum gets annihilated. So I'm not sure what an out half can do there. But again, Jack came out pretty bad there. And then you look at Conor Murray, who's played poorly for three years, is but is picked time and time again. Like, and there's guys that are clearly better, as uh, Packy mentioned, um, John Cooney, who was in the form of his life. But he gets one chance, doesn't do particularly well, but that's him. He's gone. He's not good enough. Yet we keep going back to Conor Murray, who hadn't been playing well for three years. Just going to go indulge yourself for a second and go through the team that played Japan that day. Uh, it was Healy best in furlong, Henderson and Ryan in second row, O'Mahony, Van de Fleer and CJ Sander in the back row, Murray and Carty, obviously the halfback pair, and it was Farrell and Ringrose, and it was Stockdale, Earls and Carney. And Joey Carberry was among the subs uh, coming off the bench, Jordan Larmer as well, Tide Byrne, Andrew Porter. Carberry came on, couldn't see the game out. For me, Danny, that day was one of Jack Carty's best performances in, a, in an Ireland jersey for the first half. And obviously during that second half, he, along with the other starring names in that team couldn't get the job done and couldn't figure it out neither could Carberry either when he came on so this is the kind of logic we bring this up because we know it's a game that 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 is you know Cardi has taken a lot of criticism for and didn't get a lot of defense uh from his uh, Irish management team and he seems to be carried to blame actually no you you want to come in there go for it well you know that's that's the whole point like you know it's none of their fault you know they, they had nothing to do with it at all Rob don't you don't you realize that it's uh, it's the out half that you know, was playing such fantastic rugby for God knows, you know, for God knows how long. Was just after getting his um, his head on the team, like so. You know, he's the guy you have to blame, and it's it's repeated. Like same way with uh, with uh, Finlay the last day. Should they pledge your man um, from Ulster or Sullivan the following week there in in the so you know weird. in the Autumn Nations Cup? Like you know. They just drafted him in. They couldn't play him the week before. Who is a loose head? And give Finlay a, a go at tight head, which he's pretty freaking good at. But kind of further to what you're saying, it's like all these guys get, you know, they get their get out of jail card. And uh, if you're, if you, you just, I don't know, if you've the wrong, if you've the wrong name after your, after your, after your own name, if the wrong place name after your own name, it's a, it seems to be a bit of a problem. And it's, I just find it funny that it's, it's, it happens over and over and over again, you know? Well, I think I can't fathom some of the selections in terms of, say, Kieran Marmion, who has gone from being the number two to Conor Murray, usurped at the World Cup, so he becomes number three. He gets back into the squad, and then he's still number three, but yet he continues to have to go to training sessions for the autumn the autumn season. He's like the 26th man. He's still there, so he can't play for Connacht at the same time. And look, when you look at the ages now, he's no longer the number three now. You know, he, he's, 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 he's basically dropped again to the fourth because you've introduced Craig Casey at 21 years of age. Now, Gibson Park is 28, Marmion's 28, and now you've got Craig Casey coming in at 21 years of age. Is this, you know, you worry about the contracts for players like who are out of contract and Connor, but there's a hell of a lot of players who might have every reason to want to leave. You know, Kieran Marmion has been playing for, I can't remember how many years he's been playing on, on and off the Irish team, never really done anything wrong, only played in so just about so many backline positions, you know, hugely defensive player. And now so all of a sudden he's gone from being the number two to the number three to the number four. 
without actually even having played a game hmm. during this time for Ireland. And I just, I can't seem to fathom it unless they're just saying, well, we know what Marmion's were, we know what Marmion's like, we know what Luke McGrath's like, we know what John Cooney's like. Well, we're going to look to the future because we believe that Gibson Park and and Connor Murray are going to be there for another couple of years and then we're going to bring up this young Craig Casey. I, 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 I can't really, I'm not really understanding the reason for it. I cannot fathom it. Um, you know, how he's, in my opinion, Kieran Marmion, like I know John Cooney's been treated really badly and he's lucky to have, uh, you know, the backing of Ulster behind him. But in my opinion, Kieran Marmion has been treated worse than any other Irish international player um, over the last number of years than than anyone else. Um, it's, it's quite, you know, he, he really does, he deserves an apology. And if you told them what to do with themselves, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be out of his, uh, you know, he wouldn't be wrong because. Uh, are we? Go on. Are we missing anything here, now? Like, I mean, you know, because we do have four players in the squad. Like, I'm, I, we do get a lot of listeners from outside the province curious as what Connacht think and why they're so. I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know if anyone who loves rugby outside of Connacht realizes how utterly frustrated we are with international selections uh, from Joe Schmidt to Andy Farrell. But like, you know, Heffernan's in there, Delan's in there, Rue's in there. Aki's in there. What more do you want? I'll play devil's advocate. What more do you want? Well, I, I want I want second choice Connacht players in the Irish squads, just like uh, second and third choice Munster, Leinster, and Ulster players are in the Irish squad. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, for me, and to me, that's that's ridiculous because um, outside of I, I was kind of making an argument that outside of tighthead and maybe loosehead, because uh, tighthead prop, it's becoming a position where you play fifty minutes. You know what I mean? That's that's your lot. So uh, essentially what I'm saying is you could be from a province in Ireland and have the top two tight heads playing, okay? Mm-hmm. And it, it would be okay to say that. Um, there's nothing against these players, but, you know, um, Tom O'Toole is not the starting tight head prop for Ulster. I'm not sure he's second choice either. He possibly is. Craig Casey, he, he's, you know, he's not. Ross Byrne is not the... You know, he's not the first choice Leinster out half. Um, Jim, well, listen, if we go by the last game, Gibson Park isn't the first choice Leinster uh, scrum half. And the first choice Leinster scrum half is not in the Irish squad. Um, there's lo- there's loads of this. Like, we can have 17 players from one province. It, it, it does not make for a good squad. I, they cannot be battle-hardened enough to pull a game out of the fire. You know, if and for, if Irish rugby, professional rugby wants to go on the extra level, wouldn't they have to start, you know, they have to start doing this. They have, you know, they have to start um, having players from 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 everywhere um, and making up an, an even amount on these teams. And Ireland are going to start falling behind because of these things. Others, other countries are building depth now because they've a lot more team. you know, a lot more teams. When I say other countries, I mean England and France. They've a lot more teams. So, you know, you have to be at the top of your game to get into the squad. You don't yeah. if you're Irish. I want to jump in there. Uh, just something you said there, Paki, that uh, the Irish team are going to fall behind. Uh, I actually think we're already behind. We I think can't right, get past uh, a quarterfinal. No matter what we do at Pro 14 level or how well Leinster and um, to a another degree of Munster and Ulster do in Europe, we can't convert that into uh, playing well at Ireland because we haven't got to a, uh, we haven't got to a quarter final. Like we, we, we need to change what we're doing. Like look at the Australians. 
they 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 played a was it a 19 year old center in the in the um the world cup and they've got a, an out half that's 21 yet we we'll keep going back to like in the squad we've got sexton who barely lasted 60 minutes against munster yes he's our savior you know like he's yes he's uh he's a fabulous 10 he's he's got a he's had a fabulous career definitely but if you cannot last a game at club level how are you going to do it at international level and that means he can't he he is not the best 10 in ireland he can't be if you can't play for 80 minutes you're not the best in that position and we need to start looking towards the future and whether that's uh we, we they take on Jack or they take Billy Burns, who's playing well for Ulster. Um, you know, like we need to look past this conservatism where it's the same guys over and over again. And um, I feel like a lot of guys are living off reputation from that 2018 season. You know, a lot of guys that, that were in that extremely good uh, Ireland team are still living off that reputation. And I would completely disagree with that, especially at an international level. You're only as good as your last game. And I feel like guys that are getting a chance, like Jack did, um, and everyone forgets that Marmion was the scrum half that played that when we when we won against New Zealand for the first time. Um, but that's never been Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I know, How long look, did Sexton uh, against us? Yeah, Sexton lasted about 14 minutes against us, Lily. Well, I often when wonder when it does come to these selections, because obviously as a member of the public here, we're not we're not privy to the reasons why, you know, these coaches uh, select the players that they do. And I often wonder, you know, how often do they do they pick up the phone and do they talk to someone like Kiramamian or Jack Carty? And give them the reasons why they're not selected. Because how, if they don't, then how on earth are they supposed to know how they can improve or the reasons for not being selected? And I think it's very hard for, for, like you had a performance there that Jack Carty produced against Leinster, that was like a perfect performance. Mm-hmm. If a performance doesn't like like that, doesn't put you, you know, within range of getting you know, being selected on the squad. You kind of wonder, and I know Jack has obviously has had his difficulty since coming back from the World Cup. He's had a lot to deal with. And, you know, he's he's having to psychologically deal with all that vilification that he that he took as well from the media for for something that really wasn't was out of his control. And I and I just kind of feel like it's not really up to the the local coach or the Connick coach or whoever is the, 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 the provincial coach to try to have to deal with the aftermath of that. And as a result, we didn't see Jack for quite a while this season. He's come back. He's now in really good form. And all of a sudden, you know, people are now talking about him, you know, Jack, you know, playing for Ireland again. And then he's not even selected as one of three out And you kind of just wonder what that does psychologically for these players who are working so hard to improve themselves, to get back to playing for Ireland, what it does for them psychologically. Now, I know Jack is a very strong person and he is incredibly um, controlled with the way he deals with these issues. In fact, I, if you don't, if you don't mind me saying, I was listening to a, an RFU a podcast uh, webinar the other night and Jack was of Tackle Your Feelings one and Jack was, was one of the, was one of the participants in it with, um, and 
he was sort of asked a question like that. And he, funny enough, he said that when he was young, he used to read like all the comments made in social media or the newspapers about him. And he said he tries not to do that anymore, but he said he wouldn't, he, he would be lying if he said he didn't still do it. But um, this week was one of the days when he knew that he shouldn't <laughs> after the selections were made. And I just, you know, he's, I, I just thought that's, you know, he is a very strong person and he will continue. Let's face it. He is one player. And when you look at Jack, who actually had potential in so many sports. So he's a natural sports person. He's not just a rugby player. He could have gone to England to play soccer and, you know, he he's played, you know, on uh, Gaelic football at, at high levels. So he's not just, he's not just a rugby player. He's actually a talented sports person. And I think that's kind of lost sometimes, you know, on people. I was reading today he had uh, he played alongside Jeff Hendrick and Robbie Brady in the Irish under fifteen uh, setup, and and we know he played for the Roscommon Miners in Crow Park as well. I think an All Ireland semi final, I think it was. So I mean, yeah, that's an incredible sporting background. Lindy, back to you for a second. When Willie Rann sits down with these players and and the contracts on the table. You know, there's a couple of things. He won't be able to offer what Leon can offer. I bring them up because we know Kobe Vienga went there. He won't be able to offer maybe what some of the English teams can offer. Uh, one of the things that he offers is coming from the IRFU, which is like a position within a system that gives you a chance. And you take a guy like, I'm going to just give you one example, Gavin Thornbury, who's like a top quality second row performing at the highest level in the Champions Cup and in Pro 14 to a huge degree. And is not even mentioned in Pundit Arena around the Irish setup, and he should be. Is he getting phone calls from the RFU? Is he being engaged with and all that? So is it making Willie's job harder? And you think it is. I think you've kind of hinted at that. But just when he sits down with these players and says, you want to be here. This is your chance, Paul Boyle. This is your chance, whoever. Now, Paul Boyle signed up for another year, thank God. But, you know, that's div- that this job is getting more and more difficult. These players probably don't see the pathway anymore. Yeah, the, the the pathway is 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 a key thing for these players. It's particularly when they get to a certain age. I think, you know, when they're young, they're you know they're hoping to get recognised. Everyone, like every player, wants to be recognised nationally. And when they're going to come to a point where, if they're not, what is going to keep them here? And you know, it's either going to be love for Connacht, love for money, because it's not both. Um, or do you go somewhere where you want to play rugby and you want to make a living out of it? And it, 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 and for someone like Evan Thornbury, who's obviously not a Connacht born and bred player, but I know his father has become a huge fan of Connacht since he has been playing here. Um, you, you do wonder for them where their future lies if there's not that pathway and Connacht players continue not to be recognised. And I'm not saying every single player deserves to be on the Irish squad. I'm not, nothing like that. But you do wonder that um, when they look at that and Willie looks at it and, of course, he's got to try to encourage them to stay. He probably maybe doesn't have the money that the other squads do have. Um, It's it's a tough job. I just hope that hopefully in the next few days that a lot of players are signed up back to Connacht. Otherwise, it'll just get worse. It's very hard for Andy Friend or uh, Willie Ruan to say to a young player, do you know what? Come down here. We'll get you playing rugby. We'll get you playing good rugby and you're going to get a shot because it's not the case. You don't have to play if you're in other places. You don't have to play in the must-win games. Now, 
you know, we can be hit with stats. We're saying, well, such and such a player has played X amount of minutes. But when it comes... All right, let's put this way. The Irish squad in front of me here. Uh, if Leinster are playing a Heineken Cup game in the morning, Johnny Sexton's starting out half. And Ross Byrne is second choice, possibly third. Craig Casey will not be starting for Munster. Tom O'Toole will not be starting for Ulster. Uh, even in the back rows and all this sort of thing. So you don't have to be. You don't have to be that player. You, there's... Wow. You, 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 <laughs> you get an easier ride. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that, but it's like you're not, you're not trusted when you're here. And that's, it's like, it's, that's going to be really tough, Willie Ruin. And like, uh, you know, if we're saying it, uh, every player must think of it. Like, at this stage, it's better for, I don't know, pick a random player in whatever, you know, in whatever Leinster squad, pick, you know, any randomer from whatever position. It looks, and you can't say that it isn't, it looks you're better off staying there then try to come become somewhere else and be and play, be, yeah. and be play and be first choice and make a massive difference. I'll never forget Byron Kelleher, um, an interview that uh, I read that he'd given, and uh, where he said he, I, I'm not sure, Lindy will probably correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he's from Auckland, possibly or Canterbury. Um, I know they're two massively different places, but he was from where the you know where the most where the, a lot of the players come from. But he went to uh, the Chiefs because they were the weakest franchise because he felt if I go there and I can make a huge difference, that's where I can become uh, an all-black. And he did. Do you know what I mean? No Irish player will ever consider that. Uh, a fringe a fringe Irish player, a fringe Irish uh, Irish squad player, I don't think they'll ever uh, will ever think that. And to be honest with you, they would possibly be right. Like even look at our current the current players in the in the Connacht squad, you've the likes of Dennis Buckley now, um, Finlay, uh, loads of other players that are moving on in their career. Are they going? You know, are they going to stay in Ireland? The carrot must be, I'm getting a chance. I'm going to get a chance to play for Ireland. And I'm not saying that Ireland should hand out caps, but Jesus, nobody can tell me that Dennis Buckley didn't deserve to get an Irish uh, cap from almost when he started playing for Connacht. Look at the props he scrummaged against in the Champions Cup. You I have mean, never just, seen him beaten. He has never been beaten by... It's incredible. Like, Danny, will you do that in the next week or two? Just just for another podcast, just make us a list. Because like the list will blow people's minds. And and we'll, we'll take little... You could, we'll force you to go back into the video archives and watch some of the scrums against all these world-class props across Europe. Time and time again, he scrummaged as well. And then people say, oh, but maybe he just doesn't have enough around the park. Grand, but how has he not got a single cap? For the love of God, it's just ridiculous. But just can I just go back on this really quickly around the table, guys? And Lin, like you first, Niall, then Lindley, then Danny. The general consensus among us is Andy Friend has been good for Connacht and his re-signing is good for Connacht. I want each of you to explain that just a little bit clearer. I think Danny has already, but Niall. Uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's, a, it's, it's really good for Connacht because um, I think when he does leave, that he leave Connacht in an awful lot better place. Not so much that he might bring us to more bigger heights, but that he will leave the foundations in place for a squad to be built so that a squad can be built on year on year on year. Because when you hear him speak, he's, you know, he does talk about the player um, and how to, for the, you know, to, to, he puts confidence in players as far as I can see, refuses, refuses to say anything 
um, negative towards these players. Uh, you know, he might in the collective, he might say something, you know, but refuses to round on any player. He's like, he's, uh, he's a fantastic coach. He's, he's like a, a really great guy as well. And, um, but I, I think we'll be in, we'll be in a lot better position because of it. Lindy. Yeah, I think Andy kind of reminds me in some ways of more like Pat Lamb in the sense that he likes to deal with the sort of the holistic elements of the players and the squad and the people. And um, I think that's very important, particularly when you're dealing with, you know, a young group of players and, and, and even older players who still need that confidence because maybe of the issues that they have to deal with in Connacht of not being selected, etc. And the fallout always is going to fall on the coach. And I think he does a very good job of that, of keeping that squad together. I also think the other thing about him is that he actually allows the assistant coaches like Nigel and Jimmy to take a lead role. He's not, unlike Pat, who had control basically of, of a lot in Connacht, and maybe he needed to at that time in Connacht. Um, I'm not sure if he has the same... Is, has the same manner in in possibly in Bristol, but um, whereas Andy Friend actually gives the the assistant coaches the responsibility to do their job, and I think that is also helping them grow. The other thing I would say is when he brought together, I'm not sure whether it was out of necessity or whether it was his own choice, when he brought he brought together the academy into the senior squad. Once upon a time, they were separate. They trained separately. They hardly, very infrequently met. They were completely separate. The numbers had to be, obviously, had to be, had to be shortened because of, I think, of the financial situation and COVID. So we've got a smaller academy. Um, but they're, they are training at a level that the senior squad is now training where they are being introduced to the whole standards that the senior squad, which is only good for the development of Connacht rugby and for those players. And we've seen a lot more of them since Andy Friend has been in Connacht actually playing in matches. Sometimes I've scratched my head and thought, Jesus, like, who is that lad that he's bringing in, you know? And they have all performed incredibly well. And I think that is going to have to be the way forward too, I think, because we know that we have a reasonably small squad. We need those players. And I think he's done a, an exceptional job with the way that he has introduced the the the, the the young players into the senior squad. Brilliant summation. And Danny, I'll give that point to you to just take on a bit because that is one of the reasons why I have a lot of hope, even though there's so much uncertainty with so many players up for recontact, uh, uh, for new contracts and, and that sense that we're not going to be able to just dip into the market in this current financial crisis and, and COVID crisis. So there's a lot of young players coming to. Sean Masterson, a great example. I remember Paul Boyle getting his debut. I think what was he 21? I think he was only 20 when he got his debut. Like he he really does just go. You're there. You're good enough. On you go. We've used like seven props this year. I think maybe eight. You know, he's digging deep down into his resources. He's trusting guys. I'm impressed with that. Colin Riley. He's been great this year. Another example. He has. Well, friend has brought the attitude that you see in a lot of in the Southern Hemisphere, which is. If you're good enough, you're old enough. So he, he's he's bringing guys through that are obviously performing. And you can see it, whoever steps in, you can see it when uh, subs come on during the season that even if there's a bit of a shuffle around, guys are just slotting in and they're just going for it. And I think that just become, comes from his kind of mantra that he's, he's so honest and he just demands honesty from uh, his players. And I think that just it just levels the playing field and everyone's on the same page. Um, 
And I think it, another reason why we really need to, it, it's one of the reasons we really need to hold on to him is that he's, he's brought this it, it, a full team collective and it's about the squad and not just the, the start 15 kind of a thing. It's about everybody. It's about the whole team. And it was something that Pat Lamb had. I think the other thing I can just call in again for up to a minute um, is the fact that he has, I think he deserves at least another year or two years. And when you have to consider that COVID has interrupted um, the whole of his rugby, the rugby this season anyway. So I think that's another reason why I think he deserves a little bit longer, you know, in Connor because he's had to deal with that. The other thing is like every other coach who's a foreign coach, they have, they have, um, they have knowledge of the players in their own home countries who are available or who could do a job. Now, I know Pat Lamb did a huge job when it came to and to, to bringing Mills Milayina in. Now, while we know that Mills wasn't at his best on the playing pitch, it was more of a statement of intent. And I know that when it came, it was very important for Connacht at that time because when they went looking for players, they were from, uh, from agents. They were never given the top players they were always given like the second or the third sort of level players. But getting Mills was a statement that they were able to have those players. And it, and it did change, you know, for, you know, the way that people and the agents did view Connor, that we were prepared to get good players in and that we could afford to pay them. So I think what um, Andy has done also with his local players is he's been able to bring in a couple of players. And you know that, you know, I don't know what they're being paid, but one would imagine that Ben O'Donnell is not going to be paid a huge fortune given the fact that he has had to come over here and rehabilitate and he's changing codes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, so I think it's always good to see when a, a foreign coach is here that they can bring, you know, their their players. They have a, a knowledge of the players in their own country and ones that could make a difference in Connacht without necessarily breaking the bank. Because let's face it, we don't ever get players who break the bank here. Finish on this, right? I want to get your final thoughts on where we stand right now because um, there's so much more to talk about. And over the next couple of weeks, we obviously have a preview of the Dragons game. And then there's another down week. And in that down week, we should have some contract announcements I'm sure we we'll should have some concrete stuff to talk about around that so we'll see where we are then and maybe maybe we can kind of look towards what next season's looking like but right now how are we I want to get each of you to just give me your feeling overall of where Connick sit and how you feel about the uh, Connick after that disappointing defeat to Ospreys and I'll put it this way in our role in what we do podcasting and reporting on the Connick team we tend to be more ingrained in the th- thought process and probably we don't have as much ups and downs as we would as supporters and I know this myself from following football and other American sports I mean my team loses and I'm the end of the world and they win and everything's top of the top of the world right now I think we're giving across this even keel feel uh, that's what's coming across in the podcast that's the sense that yeah okay we've lost five and six that's not good okay there's some serious decision making issues on the pitch there's problems with the malls there's loads of different issues yet I do get a sense that you guys aren't necessarily feeling doom and gloom about things so with that in mind Danny you go first how are you feeling about where we are right now it's it, it but that's the thing it, it's a bit of a mixed emotion because mm. um like after that monster game like you say that uh we, we've kind of given a very even keel I think I had to go out for a walk <laughs> just to calm down, you know. But then you see it, um, the, the Leicester game, I was high as a kite. You know, it, it, it's it's that mix mix of levels. And I think what I get so frustrated about when watching Connacht is that um, through this season, you've seen, you've seen us just, we, we, we die on our feet. You know, you, you look back at that, the, I know we keep saying it, the Racing game or um, 
even even the Bristol game, like we we get in guys, we were getting in guys' faces, and we were making a nuisance of ourselves. But we didn't say uh, the other side of that was uh, the Ulster game, and and to an extent that uh, that game at the weekend where we just we lost composure and it was just so frustrating. It was just like watching Connacht of old, you know, and it's just so depressing, really, and so frustrating because we know how well these guys can play. So I guess yeah, when we do come across a bit. Uh, mixed but I think that's that's after you come away from it and you look at it it's like maybe we weren't that bad and it has been we actually have done well over the season you know yeah I remember the Scarlet game which was a calamity also had like five or six wonderful attacks that should have had a try but for a drop ball going over the line so the flip side of that is it was just, it was, it was such a fine line. But then I also pick out Edinburgh away as one of our best performances this season. Glasgow at home was a stunning home performance to start the season. Um, Ulster in the Aviva back in August was a fantastic display. So there's there's a weird mix, Nile. We've had, we've had it all this year. We've really had it all. Yeah, correct. I feel like... Um... We had that, you know, that ridiculous high um, for for going on five years ago now um, mm. of, of the of the league win, but it, we we kind of got there. But you know, I think we we're trying to maybe you know live up to that again. So I think Connacht had to strip back a little bit, um, come back a bit further than maybe they would have liked to, um, you know, change tack a bit more. But I think there's. The one thing that's missing, I think, at the minute is um, where we were a team, especially led by Mull, like that word, you know, would hammer the other opposition. Like, uh, you know, when they played a the game against Connacht, they friggin' knew it coming in off the pitch. And I don't think other teams are feeling that now, but that, that that's possibly an easier thing to rectify than um, up in uh, quality levels of players and, you know, um, players' own particular skills. Um so I, I think we're on the way back. I'm not despondent. I'm not despondent at all. Um, I think you're saying it's a 50% win ratio. I think we're that's probably about right for how we're playing. But if you look at the this season, like even though the last day we could have been beaten, um, uh, you know, well beaten. I think we could have we could have won the game with a bit more composure, like you're saying, and a bit more, um, you know, a bit more guts. And the same with the Munster game. I, you know, we looked like a team that didn't feel we could win that game or should win that game. And next thing, it, the opportunity was, was there and it fell away. And against Ulster, they got their dander up and we did, weren't able to counteract that. So that's possibly the you know the, the missing piece of the jigsaw because we've some wonderfully talented footballers like Jack and Connor Fitz. You know, I think he just suffered from lack of game time really at, at the weekend. Um, you know, he kicked very well. He passed quite well and all that. Maybe he didn't lead the game as well as he should. But regardless of that, you know, we've all these other players coming that were kind of, there's loads of great points in all these players, but it's just to marry it all together now and um, just to add a bit more, a bit more heart to it. And I think, you know, Connacht will be fine. And they'll be fine anyway, but uh, that's, that's the last, that's the missing piece of the the jigsaw for me anyway. Um, So I, I think we're on an upper trajectory, but um, I, you know, just need um, maybe a, a, a small injection of talent here and there. Lindley, final thought. Yeah, I think I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm a little bit despondent, obviously, about some of the results, um, but in the overall picture, I think what we really need is 
what everyone, every team looks for, and that's the consistency, consistency of performance. Because you can go from the high of beating Leinster to, you know, some of the performance we've had since and against the Ospreys, possibly one of them. So I think that consistency and, and a, a greater belief in themselves, that they, that they have it, um, that they can do it. Um, but I think consistency is 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 huge, and I think that's what Pat Lamb was able to do when he was here. And I don't want to keep comparing coaches and whatever to and squads to Pat Lamb, but I think once they got that consistency, they got greater belief in themselves. But I'm no, I'm not despondent. I think the organisation is in a better place. I think the whatever about COVID on the pitch, I think it has. It has opened the squad's eyes to um, a lot of different ways that they can bond together as a squad. And I think that is actually going to actually only make them better people and better players. Um, so hopefully there's going to be positives that come from the whole COVID situation. Um, but one would wonder at the moment, does Andy Friend have the players the required number of players to produce that consistency. He's introduced a lot of young players, but when you do come up against the likes of um, of the, you know, the racings or, or you know, some of the stronger teams, particularly up front, does he have the required number of, of players to do that? I'm not so sure. Well, that's an example yeah. for Lions that were in the Ospreys team. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to finish this podcast and say, well, that block of games every year, we all know them, it's done. And it's always the toughest block when you're in the Champions Cup because usually you have four, we only have two, but usually you have four Champions Cup games mixed in with three interprovost that may as well be Champions Cup games against full-strength sides to a large degree. So yeah, that's done. What comes next might well be better. We'll see. There are players to return. That's it from us. Big thanks to the guys. We'll be back within a week for the preview of the Dragons game. Yeah, kind of back in action in Wales and lots more rugby to come. Five games. There's actual fixtures. Dave Finn was wondering about fixtures a week ago. Well, they're there now so we can look to the future. Talk to you soon. Slon. Bye. See you. Slon go forward. Loose. Cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad.